What is good, everybody? Welcome to a joint collaboration show. I'm Rob Stats Carrera. He's Jason Aponte. This show is going to Jason's YouTube channel and to my YouTube channel. So make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons to both. Thank you very much. We could use a little love. Jason, you're in Indianapolis at the Combine. Absolutely. I, you know, just got back actually. Long day today, but tomorrow's even longer. We get to talk with prospects and some other coaches and uh, general managers that are actually being. Give us the vibe there. What's it like there? Who did you run into today on the floor? Because everybody's like all in one kind of big room, the way they usually have the combine set up. So who did you bump into today? Yeah, so the, the whole setup, you know, I saw your buddy Mike Florio. He's over there at NBC. Uh, you know, yep. and they're, they're doing the, the pod with Chris Sims. And, you know, Ian Rappaport's doing NFL now over here. So let me set the scene. This is a, a bunch of podiums, and then literally you have your stages. So if you watch NFL now and you see people walking behind – probably had a chance to catch me like walking through there. So it's all in one room. Um, you know, you run into people like Michael Smith and, and, you know, Matthew Berry and, and so many people in the industry that I look up to um, that do such great work, you know, being able to tell them, you know, I ran into Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles today while I was leaving, you know, had, that was a, a real big throw. Had to tell him, hey, listen, I cover the 49ers, but got a lot of respect for what you do. And you had a, an incredible season. And uh, you know, the, the cast of 49er beat writers were there. And, you know, I, I just want to announce on here, Rob, me and Mike Silver are good. We're Ooh. good now. I, yeah, we are good. We spoke. Um, you know, I let him know, hey, listen, I apologize for the way that I spoke to you on Twitter. Uh, my my behavior is not something that I, I'm really proud of. And he said, did I block you? And I said, yeah. He was like, well, let's just unblock you then. And you know what? Me and Mike Silver buried the hatch. He's a really cool dude. Told me some amazing Steve and Joe stories and uh, told me the story about that picture of him and Aaron Rodgers after the failed Mary. It was really funny. Mike's a great guy, man. So I just want to make sure we put that out there. That so look, not a lot of people get unblocked by Mike Silver. The block mm-hmm. is easy. That anybody could get blocked. Mm-hmm. The few people can get unblocked. So there you go. Look at you making moves in Indianapolis <laughs> at the combine. Uh, I want to get into where you're gonna go for dinner after this show, but we'll do that later because we gotta dive into what happened with the 49ers today. John Lynch met the media. You were there, you spoke to John Lynch, and you, Jason Aponte, got the easiest newsiest answer i should say newsiest answer out of john lynch because you asked a good question which didn't always happen there in indy about the quarterback situation what did john lynch tell you about the quarterback situation so i asked him a question in which i tried to direct him to what bringing in a veteran quarterback would mean as opposed to just having a guy who's a a a breaking case of glass emergency type guy or are you going to have to depend on a veteran quarterback because of the unknowns with Brock Purdy's injury, which he was asked about, and maybe even Trey Lance's injury? And also, like, let's not forget, the team still want to compete for a Super Bowl. So I kind of lead him that way. John Lynch is media trained, media, media trained. Like this man, he sits there, he listens, and he knows exactly what to say. There's a reason that he was picked for the job. There's a reason that he was so good at what he does. So John gave me an answer basically about, you know, uh, we try to insulate ourselves with the room. And we, we thought we did that last year. We got all the way to the end. And yes, we're eventually going to have to look into it. Look, that, the answer is not groundbreaking because I think everybody knows that the 49ers do need quarterbacks who can take reps at the at training camp. But John was very, very particular and, and careful with what he had to say and made sure to not really give anything away that was too juicy. I noticed a distinct change in expression in John Lynch's face when he saw you asking the question about the quarterbacks. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. What kind of vibe you guys have? 
but he didn't look thrilled to see Jason Aponte asking a question. <laughs> Man, you said it. And it's funny because I'm there with Brad and I'm there with Jordan and we're going through the video and you can actually see him. John has some faces where he's computing the question and he's listening, but for sure, as soon as you hear quarterback, his face kind of changes and it just looks like, oh, here he goes and here comes some nonsense. But me and John are cool. Like we spoke last time at the combine, um, asked him a question about Mike McGlinchey. You notice his tone change as soon as he speaks. He was really, really cool about it. But I think he did make an interesting face that I think is funny. And I tweeted all over the place that I was like, John was just not happy to see me today. <laughs> he just gets, needs to get to know you. That's all. Maybe you'll yeah. bump into him tonight when you go out to eat. That's, um, the, that's the goal. So, okay. He, he updated the quarterback situations for both Brock and Trey. Uh, and yeah, congrats to you, by the way, as Corey on YouTube says, moving up the media ladder, uh, pretty soon you'll be too big time to be talking with me, but that's fine no, stop while it. we've got you. Um, he updated both Brock and Trey. And the one thing I thought was interesting, you know, I think the 49ers pay a lot more attention to what you do and what we do than they let on, because I know sure. a big talking point for us has been. They don't know what the hell kind of surgery Brock Purdy needs until they open him up. And John Lynch addressed that. And he said, look, every surgeon says that before they do a surgery. That's the surgeon covering his own ass. I believe that was almost a direct quote from John Lynch. Yep. Does that make you feel better about what is happening with Brock Purdy? I think we just have no reaction. And I think we're just I think the longer this goes on before the surgery, there's going to be an uneasiness because there was a timeline to get this done, and now we don't know where what it's going to be. So I think it's just more uneasiness at this point. I think John gave a very matter-of-fact answer there, and I think they're still also waiting themselves. But I think the sense that I got, the more that he answered questions about Brock and Trey, is that it's clear that Brock is quarterback one. Yep. And I think that there's they're going to be able to take a look at Trey Lance. They're going to have to, right, at this point, because it doesn't seem like no matter what the timeline is after the surgery, Brock Purdy is going to be available right away. But it's almost begrudgingly. And it's almost like, well, I guess we'll see what we got in this kid. But they definitely feel like it just, you get the vibe, especially with the people that you were there speaking with, you know, I was there speaking with. They're talking about like, it's Brock. And it, and, and, and it did feel the way that John was answering these questions that it was leaning more towards this organization turned into Brock Purdy. And I thought the really telling quote from John Lynch was when he said, he's got to play, meaning Lance. We've got a team that's ready to go now. Brock got that opportunity this year. He grabbed it. He did great things. We'll see at some point how we get Trey that opportunity. You don't say we'll see at some point how we get Trey that opportunity if Trey's QB1 or even really has a chance at QB1. I think the only way Trey Lance starts a game for the 49ers this year is if Brock is not ready to come back or if Brock gets hurt during the season. Other than that, Trey Lance is done as the 49ers starting quarterback. Well, I'll push back a little bit on that, Rob. I do think there's a way that Trey Lance does it, and he has to blow everybody away with his opportunities. Like, he has to leave no doubt, and he has to put at least the 49ers in a position where they have a tough time turning it right back over. To... I don't know necessarily the change. Trey Lance performs so well that, that there's at least a discussion about, hey, I don't know if you can go back to Brock. Then I think that's good enough. That's probably best case scenario. But yeah, walking away from speaking to people today and listening to John Lynch certainly does feel like this is Brock Purdy's team and they want it to be Brock Purdy's team. But how does that happen with Trey? He hasn't played. He's rehabbing mm -hmm. an injury. How is he supposed to make this leap? Yeah. 
And and that's the the frustrating part. You know, you speak with people from other teams that cover other beats and, and they ask you questions about what do you think is going on with trade nights and everything. And, you know, you give your answer of, I think the kids should have played, but obviously win now, okay. But then you look at what other people are saying and it seems like so many other beat writers and, and pundits get it. It's, you took a player who needs reps, was defined as a bit of a project, and you didn't give him those reps. And your your head coach that drafted him is impatient. This situation just feels like it was never lined up for Trey Lance. And everyone who I spoke to outside, whether it's a Colts beat reporter, Texans, Bears, they all see it. So if everyone kind of sees it, and 49er fans are starting to realize it a little bit more, it's this was a miscalculation. And it's not the best situation for Trey Lance. Unfortunately, the best course of action, and I know 49er fans, you don't want to hear this. Trey Lance had to play from day one. I know you like being in the NFC Championship, and I know that you like winning games, but you had to sacrifice that if you really cared about the kids' development. You might have had to sit through a 6-11 and 11 year. You might have had to sit through a 7-9 and nine year, something like that, right? Or a 7-10. But you would have kicked off the development and at least understood what you have going forward. I think there's just a miscalculation in terms of how you do that with a win-now roster and Trey Lance. I would have completely agreed with you up until about two days ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. Brett Coleman tweeted it out May 3rd, 2021. And it's a video of Adam Schefter. And he is on Underdog Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And he says the 49ers drafted Trey Lance because they think he's the smartest quarterback in the class. And they think he's the most pro ready out of anybody. Trey Lance. And so when I hear him say that in May of 2021, right after Trey was picked, that makes me think the Niners thought they were getting a guy that was ready to play. And then when he came in and maybe didn't blow them away right away, they soured on him. That's what I think it is. That's where the miscalculation comes in, right? I think we all know the kid's smart. I think we all understood the similarities to what he ran in NDS too. I think all of that is true. But then you start to see it in NFL forum and you start to see it little by little. And you're like, well, we've maybe overestimated this a little bit. And he may need a little bit more work than we believed. Not necessarily that they soured, but I don't think that no matter how, I don't know, matter, no matter how Trey Lance, and this is the best way I can put it, no matter how Trey Lance performed in his first training camp, I don't think it was in the cards for him to start. I don't. I do think that Kyle Shanahan pushed forward because he wanted to have another winning season. He had already heard, well, you've only won in 2019, kind of needed a winning season to go with that. So the plan was, hey, you know what? We'll have a pretty good season with Jimmy and we'll see how far we go. And then boom, we'll turn it right over. I think the second season when they didn't see the extra stuff that they thought they were going to see, like the the running to the outside, that's when things really started to hit a a, a part where this organization was like, "Uh uh-oh, did we miss this one up? Like that's, that's really where I'm at with this one. And, what did the Niners do? They immediately brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. Just when it was supposed to be Trey's turn in the driver's seat, they made sure they had the driver's ed instructor on the other side of the car with his foot on the brake. Very glad that you brought that up. The common thought around people from around this team that cover the team was that was an absolute hedge your bet move. That was not just to say, oh, an injury or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that that is something that is spoken about. Learned a lot about what's the, going on this entire time. Well, that's what what a lot of people I feel like. See, when you say that, though, that's not how that story came off in print. If they were mm-hmm. thinking that they didn't write that 
we the content creators were the ones that were saying hedge your bet. And Silver did, in all fairness, Mike Silver did say that the Niners were hedging their bet. He was the only one, though. Everybody else was, oh, this is such a good insurance policy. Jimmy Garoppolo is there just in case Trey Lance gets hurt. So they didn't put that at the time. That's the frustrating thing. I feel like 49ers beat writers have this information, and they don't always come out with it right away. They almost wait for, like, the perfect situation sometimes it feels like. It's like, no, just tell us at the time. You can present it as, hey, this is just in case. Hey, look, look at what we're getting. This backup, this guy who understands this offense, who's won a ton of games, and if Trey Lance gets injured, then we can turn it that way. If you come out and you start telling people, we're bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo because we're not confident, you're, one, killing the kid's confidence, and two, it's damning of your own self-evaluation of the kid. So it's like the more that you speak to people, the more people that have things to say, it sounds more and more like the Jimmy Garoppolo move was strictly to hedge a bet. Of course it was. You can't move the new girlfriend into the apartment with the old girlfriend still living there. Shout out to Croc, by the way. I saw that comment. Should have played him coming off a six and 10 year. They missed his window. Uh, I mean, this whole situation is crazy. Um, To get to the Brock Purdy side of things, the update that John Lynch gave is that Dr. Meister, still a weird name, Dr. Great. Meister is going to be in Texas, or I'm sorry, in Arizona, and Brock's going to meet with him next week. And as if the stiffness and the swelling, and those were John Lynch's words, if the stiffness and the swelling are better or not there, they will have the surgery next week. But they don't know that that's going to be the case, Jason. We have to find out. Yeah, and I think, again... That's where the uneasiness comes in from 49ers fans is, you know, you have a date where you think that this is going to be the day that the surgery happens. Well, it's pushed back a little bit. It's still swelling. The longer and longer you put this thing off, it it builds uneasiness. And it's mm-hmm. now 49ers fans thinking, uh-oh, is this more severe? Or is it just pushing back his timeline a little bit more? Which for me, I'm fine with. That just means more for Trey Lance and Trey Lance gets more chances. Like, I, like this is the, the only silver lining. You never want a guy to be injured, but the silver lining is, if Trey Lance is full ready to go, well, he's going to get his shot and he's going to certainly make his case as best he can to keep the job. So that's the part where people are getting uneasy. But, you know, John has talked about this is not a typical injury for a football player. This is usually for baseball players, all of those things. Yeah, it's just John's very media trained. And I, and I kind of want to, you know, talk about this real quick, Rob. When people, you know, say, well, they're not giving anything away. John Lynch is media trained. This isn't a GM that's a, that's a former player that was just some meathead that just was promoted, right? He was John media. Lynch, yeah, he knows the game. He absolutely knows the game, man. And it's just, he's so good. He's prepared for all of these questions. Even if he just takes a minute to take it in and say, um, he's never going to say anything that's too final. And if that frustrates you, then I, I understand. But then you have to really understand who's the person that's saying it. And it's John Lynch. Like, you know, so he's he's very good at this. Very good. So that's the situation with Brock. Like we said, he kind of, he didn't say it, but he sort of implied like it's going to be the six month surgery. Mm-hmm. And we think that Brock is going to be back. And even if it is the six month surgery though, Jason, like he needs to have it, especially yeah. because the new league year starts, I think March 13th, I want to say. And the Niners need to know by then if what the time frame is for Brock, right? Because that changes what their approach is going to be in free agency. If you know Brock's going to be good to go in six months and you know Trey will be there, then you know you're looking for a third string, uh, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota type of person, right? But if it's if he doesn't have the surgery by then, then what do they do? 
Hence why I asked about the veteran quarterback. That's what I was trying to do. I listen. I want people to understand when I asked that question, I answered, I asked it to get an answer. And I wanted to see if John was going to say something more along the lines of, well, you know, like a Jacoby Brissett type or like an actual veteran quarterback who needs to be counted on. Right. That's what I was trying to get out of him. And I don't, I haven't built up the equity to do follow-ups and, and kind of grill him a little bit more. Right. Like I'm just, this is my, my second combine, you know, like I'm still, I'm still standing next to Lombardi, Mayoko, Jennifer Lee Chan. You should have done a follow-up. The dude from Tennessee got a follow-up question. He did. And, and, and that's the other thing I want to explain. So for, for people that are frustrated, right. With, well, why weren't there more questions about the quarterback and the team? Well, you've got the 49ers media team right there, right? Like you've got Lombardi, Barrows, Jennifer Lee Chan, Mayoko, um, you know, everybody, the, Lindsay, the team reporter, everybody who's there, then, you know, me, Brad Jordan, right? Like we're there as well too. Now, the thing is, is this, some of those people are going to speak with John Lynch later on for their article. They're not going to give away what they want to put out there in a press conference. And then you have to remember in the scrum, there are 10, 12, 15 other people who cover other teams in terms of the Titans. That's why you get questions about Rand Carthan, yep. the Texans. That's why you get questions about D'Amico Ryans, the Dolphins, the people asking questions about Mike McDaniel. So if you're frustrated with the lack of on-point questions about the quarterback and this team, it's more because if it's just a normal combine presser where tomorrow we're going to get to speak with D'Amico Ryans at 1. I'm sure Texans fans are going to ask questions. Why is he answering so many questions about the 49ers? We cover the 49ers. We have to turn it into that. So that's what those people were doing. So I, I think that's a little bit of insight into these, these combine presses. So it, it, it'll alleviate some of the frustration I've seen out there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And uh, for people that don't know, also, there's the presser that they do. And then they do like a mini presser afterwards that's sort of on the record, off mm -hmm. the record, depending on what they ask. They literally get off the podium and they get mobbed by people, all the press who's standing right there. That's how we found out that uh, Matt Mayoko tweeted out that Brian Greasy is interested in coming back. Like, I didn't even realize that was up in the air. Did he only sign a one-year deal last year? I don't really remember, to be honest. Right. Well, there was a lot of uncertainty with what Greasy would like. We're bringing in Greasy as a uh, quarterback coach. It kind of just was like, oh, okay. Like, nobody knew what the role was. So they, they don't they don't generally give out the, the that type of you know, contract details for quarterback coaches and things like that. But yeah. And, and I wanted, I'm glad you brought that up as well too, because that's where Jennifer Lee Chan is going to speak to him and, and, and put this in their article. Like again, Mayoko, Jennifer Lee Chan, all these people, they're not going to be asking too many questions because they're going to put it in their article. And if they do, they're giving away their content. So that's a lot of the stuff that like I'm learning while I'm going through this process myself. Yeah. But I mean, I, I see both sides of it, especially now getting laid off by SB Nation and trying to make a go of this thing on my own. Like, yeah, on the one hand, you you want your content to be desirable. But on the other hand, like you are serving the fans. So your primary purpose there is to ask the question that we want asked. And it's sometimes it is frustrating, at least from my perspective, that I feel like they go their agenda is serving themselves or their publication first rather than the interest of the fans. A hundred percent. And I think that if this was a Bay Area media exclusive and you yeah. were getting those same sort of questions, I could completely understand that. But I think that just in the the way that I've seen the combine operate in, in terms of press conferences, because, again, like I said, I'm going to speak to D'Amico Ryan tomorrow and I'm going to ask him about his time with the 49ers. Texas fans are going to probably listen to that at press conference and say, I don't care. Right. Like, it's just if it was just the Bay Area media group and us, you know, um, that were there and you were getting those questions, then I get the frustration. But I do understand the frustration because 
this is such an uneasy time with the quarterback situation. You would like to get more details. But again, John doesn't give up too much. And I think the the actual environment itself wasn't conducive to truth telling. Really would like to be able to ask Kyle Shanahan some questions. But of course, oh. Kyle isn't in Indianapolis. He's one of, to be fair, there are multiple teams not sending their coaching staff. A lot of them are Shanahan guys, right? McVay is not there. Robert Sala is not there. Uh, LaFleur from Green Bay is not there. I don't think Mike McDaniel is there, is he? Maybe yeah, he Mike, is. Mike McDaniel spoke at three. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Okay, so he's there. But a lot of the Shanahan guys are not there. Um, do you have any problem with Kyle not going to the combine? I don't. I just selfishly want to get a media session from him, but I, they don't need to go anymore. I would love to talk to Kyle just to, for him to brush me off with an answer or something like that. There's something <laughs> to add to my belt, you know, like something, just another notch on the belt at this point. But he hasn't he hasn't really gone. Can't imagine that right now he wants to answer more questions having to do with the same things he did at that time. I understand that that's frustrating and he's the coach and he has to do that. But it's probably off in Cabo for a little while decompressing. So you send John Lynch, who's a media guy and, and can handle it all. And you let him, uh, you know, take the bullets or take the swords. But. Today was very easy going. It wasn't necessarily hard-hitting stuff that was there, and I understand that frustration. Can I just – I'm just looking in the comments, and I mm -hmm. just see this comment from Daniel Garcia, who's watching on mm -hmm. YouTube, and says, what tougher questions do you want? There wasn't that much to ask. There wasn't that much to ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can that be the mentality? What tougher questions? John, did the team sour on Trey Lance? Did you think right. he was going to be further along when you first drafted him? Did something change? Why didn't you realize he was not as fast as you thought? There are a thousand questions yeah. that you could ask. Don't tell yeah. me what do you want asked. Absolutely. I mean, you could absolutely ask questions that require tougher answers, definitive answers, things like that. But at, at that point, it, again, it, it was down to certain questions. And then again, it, it kind of gets overtaken by people who are trying to get content in their own way, you know, other beat reporters, things like that. Like if you're looking for those hard hitting answers at the combine, I, I, I kind of want to just set the picture and set the mood of how this works to let you know that that's not typical, right? Like it's not going to be all 49ers uh, beat guys there who have nothing but 49er centric questions. Like the Texans guy wants to know about D'Amico Ryan's the Titans guy wants to know about Rand Carthan. So like, it, it's just, I understand the frustration, but like when I'm watching this play out, I understand why things weren't like like that weren't happening. I want those questions all the time, Jason. I don't care if they're in San Francisco. Yeah. I don't care if they're in mm -hmm. Indianapolis, at the Super Bowl, at the owners meetings. Anytime those people are behind a microphone, I feel like it's it's the responsibility of the people asking the questions mm -hmm. to ask the toughest possible questions. Right. That's and just you know me. what's fun and, and I say that as someone who is in Connecticut. And believe me, if I could ask the questions, I would. I try to get on the conference call. Sometimes I do. And I try to ask questions. But it is, you know, I am in Connecticut. And I can understand people ripping me for saying this while I'm 3,000 miles away. And while I'm trying to learn this process, too, is, is the initial question can unlock a tougher question, a follow-up yes. question. And that, that's the part that I'm starting to learn myself. Because I asked the question about the veteran quarterback and a gentleman behind me asked, well, what are those solutions? Like, that was a tougher question right away. Like, that was a definitive mm -hmm. answer right there that he needed to give. And he said, no, all options are on the table. Like, John sidestepped it. But what I'm learning is you don't necessarily have to open with, tell us your feelings on Trey Lance and, and tell me that you love him. Like, what do you think about that? It's you ask a question in that general direction. And if you can find a follow-up question by listening to what he said and picking something that he set out and doing that, that's the part that I'm learning 
as I'm beginning my media journey. So that's where the tougher questions come from. It's not don't open with that. It's follow it up. You're a thousand percent right. The best answers always come from follow up questions, whether it's in a press conference or in a one on one interview. The problem is in order for that to work, everyone assembled there needs to work together. Like you were just talking about. Somebody heard your question and said, oh, and asked a follow up question. That only happens if everyone's listening and everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction. But if everybody has their question planned out ahead of time for the story they want to write a week from now, that can't happen. And so that's how sometimes that doesn't happen. But you're right. The follow-up question is absolutely where the meat is almost all the time. And I'm guilty of that myself. I mean, you know, when I got up to the to the combine the first time, I practiced my Mike McGlinchey question 300 times in the mirror because I just wanted to make sure I got it right. Like, I, I'm like, I'm not going to get on this stage and blow my shot. And this time, I didn't have a question in mind. And I kind of ad-libbed it at that point based on where the conversation was going because Matt Barrow started it with, give us a timeline on Brock Purdy. That's what starts it. So it, it, in the flow of the press conference, that's when I felt compelled to ask about veteran quarterback and find out mm -hmm. what his thoughts were on that. So I do understand that now, again, I'm trying my best to learn on the fly as quickly as possible. But I do agree with the whole, I have a question I need to ask. And it's the only thing I'm really focused on because I'm trying to write a story about that. And I don't mean this to come off as a criticism of you. That's not mm -hmm. if I if no, I am, and then I apologize because that's no, not no, no, my no. intention. No, um, no, no. Like you said, like you are at a different point in your journey than Matt Mayoko, who's been with the team for 50 years, or Kawakami, or any of those people. Um, beyond the quarterbacks, though, there were a couple other nuggets that came out. One. Mm -hmm. Juwan Jennings is coming back, which we kind of figured because he was a restricted free agent, but it's official now. And that's friggin' awesome because Juwan Jennings is fantastic at what Juwan Jennings does. He catches passes on third down and he blocks the hell out of people. And you, you can make a damn fine living and a team is going to do really well if they've got those guys on their team. Yeah, and you know, exclusive right free agent, it's a, it's a no brainer. The, the, with the pick, it's less than a million dollars. It's, it's, when you think about the production that you get from Juwan Jennings for the price point, and I think this is where the 49ers excel with their roster building, is you might look at a guy like Daniel Brunsky and say, well, you know, he gave up this many pressures. Yeah, well, you got 16 games out of him for $2 million. Like, that is that is legit production. And when you look at how useful Juwan Jennings is on third down and in the red zone, and you're paying him less than a million dollars, add in his run blocking, it's a steal and it's something that's super easy for them to do. So you have to look when you look at a player's production, counter that with how much they're making. And then you realize the value of what they're bringing to your team. But if you're paying a guy, you know, whatever, let's just say $10 million a year and all he's doing is catching third down passes, you know, and, and I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just saying he has that many catches that Juwan Jennings has who has a specific role. Then that's when I could start to, you know, rationalize, well, I don't understand this. But for that price point, it's, it's a no brainer slam dunk. Well, like you said, like, look at Mike McGlinchey. It's one thing to have Mike McGlinchey on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to have the same Mike McGlinchey with that same production with some of those, you know, peaks and valleys, but you're paying him 15, 20 million dollars a year. You're paying him market rate. That's there's a huge difference there. So I totally agree with what you're saying. And it's why I would completely understand if the 49ers didn't re-sign Mike McGlinchey because he's going to get the bag from somebody and you have to balance the here's the production versus what we pay. We can get a McGlinchey replacement for 
half of what it would cost to sign Mike McGlinchey and we'll get roughly the same player. The 49ers have to look at that as a win because it's salary cap sport. Right. And let's just look at how the 49ers build rosters, right? You draft Tyler Hufanga while you have Jaquaski Tart. You let Tart walk and then you let Hufanga play. You have Aaron Banks behind Lincoln Thomason. Lincoln Thomason walks. You slide Aaron Banks right in, right? Right mm-hmm. guard, you move Burford in. It's literally how they do business. Aziz Alshair is going to walk. Okay, here comes Marcelino McCrary ball. This team has usually done a thing where they draft somebody or bring somebody in knowing that that person's going to walk and exceed what they're willing to pay and just have somebody who steps right in kind of just been more of a pattern than, than anything. And by the way, you mentioned Juwan Jennings, 35 catches last year, 23 of those resulted in first downs. That's 66%. Incredible. That's awesome. For less than a million dollars. Yes, Incredible. please. And especially for, what we don't know about the quarterback, it's you're going to need that stability, especially on the money down, is to have a guy who can move the chains and keep drives alive. And that's that's what he's been doing his entire career as a 49er. And the other thing I like from Jawan too, is not only did he have that sort of connection with Jimmy Garoppolo on third down, he also had it with Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. And so that's it wasn't just like a Jimmy and Jawan thing. It was like, nope, this guy's really good at what he does. And Kyle puts him in good positions. And so if it does have to be Trey Lance this year, like, I'm not worried. You still have Jawan on third down. Absolutely. Third and Jawan, man. That's exactly what they call him. Um, another thing John Lynch said, which before the press conference, I tweeted out a John Lynch bingo card, which was all things that I expected him to say at the press conference, one of which was we still believe in Trey. One of which was Jimmy Garoppolo's done some really good things here, which he said. Um, and he went to an old standby with Trey Lance. Two, two old standbys, actually. One was, I got hurt early in my career, and then I played eight years without missing a set. That never actually happened, by the way. You can go look at, you can look it up. I don't know, like, someone needs to challenge John Lynch on that. Like, did not occur. Uh, and the other standby was, oh, I could see player X from my office window, and I could see them rehabbing. And he said it about Trey Lance. And he said it about Javon Kinlaw. I just want to know, has there ever been a player that John Lynch saw from his office window that came back healthy and stayed healthy? Because I don't know. Jason Verrett? Nope, it wasn't that. Javon Kinlaw last year? Nope, it wasn't that. Now he put the curse on Trey and Javon. Well, the thing is, is this, right? Javon Kinlaw, it's sounding more increasingly likely that this 50-year option won't be picked up. But you do want to still at least say nice things about the guy, one, for his confidence, and two, just in case somebody comes calling and and says, you know what, I believe I can get something out of him, so I'm going to go ahead. And I think that's the same sort of thing that they say with Trey Lance as well, too. Look, again, John's a master media man. I, I, he just he he understands questions. He understands what to say, what not to say. And when he talks about the whole idea of well, I missed games, and then I was I was here for eight straight years and played. So it's a matter of sometimes it, it it gives you hope, right? It makes you feel like okay, this is just something that's just a freak thing that's been going on with Trey Lance and isn't going to be something that continues. But I think what John meant was it, there wasn't any major injuries, right? You miss a game or two here and there, but you're going to be fine, right? Like like the major injuries or the ones that are going to really impact you is what he meant. But as far as the Kinlaw thing is, he has to say all these things right now because there's two ways that this goes. Now, Javon Kinlaw, who you, you, you probably aren't going to pick up his fifth-year option. He comes out and he plays like the guy that you thought he would be in, in the fourth year. And now you have to make a tough, tough decision, which I'm sure the 49ers would love that because that would be huge. That means they wouldn't have to you know, explore options as a defensive tackle in free agency. They just have a guy in-house who hasn't hit his ceiling. And two, maybe you still put the word out there just in case a team comes along and they're like, you know what, man? I believe in Javon Kinlaw. I can get out of him this X, Y, and Z. 
and I'm going to send over some picks. So, uh, you know, again, John's just playing the media game. He's really good. Uh, I saw you got a couple of super chats. You yeah, I was going to say, you want to run to them? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to them real quick. Uh, Corey Soto says, not there yet, but what percentage would estimate the Lance debacle will ultimately lead to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's end in San Francisco? The magnitude is almost understated. I'll let you take this one, Rob. So here's the thing. When Trey was picked, I was kind of on that train too. Like, look, if you mess this up, you might be gone. Now, Kyle was in a different place going into 2021. He had only had the one winning season, and it was a lot of 10 loss seasons. But now... Because of the success of the team, it has sort of cushioned the blow. This screwing up this player, this pick, right? Giving up all those picks and not getting any production out of the player. Four games of, of production, really, would have crushed most teams and franchises. But the 49ers have such a good roster. Shanahan is such a good coach. The front office they have there is so good at the other picks that they've made in the draft. They've sustained it. Like, even if Trey doesn't end up really ever playing. Let's say Brock comes back and takes over. Like you're not going to fire them because of that. They've gone to the NFC championship game every year since the trade was made. Yeah. I think this is absolutely spot on. I mean, when you look at the, the level of success that they've had since then and Brock Purdy softens this blow, if he's able to be there, right? Like Brock Purdy yep. was almost this saving grace, just in case worst case scenario with Trey Lance. Right. And it's still on the table because it doesn't sound career ending, but Brock Purdy can soften the blow of this if he can prove to be the long-term quarterback one, which 49er fans have still been waiting for since, I don't know, Steve Young um, at this point. So, like, again, this would have crushed them, but the year after they drive Trey Lance, NFC title game. The year after that, NFC title game. I think right now, because of how well they built this roster, they are probably the only team that can – not have this be a complete disaster and destroy them. And, and I think that's the only reason people aren't talking about it in that, in that way, Corby. Let's take this one real quick. Uh, Toxic Runner Spicy Aponte, what up, fam? Hope you're having a G day. Thank you so much, man. Uh, appreciate the donation. Uh, another Jason in here. Um, Jason, PDSI, 49ers treat Lance like a new version of Madden. They paid all that money for a game, then wind up being disappointed in. <laughs> Ooh, EA Sports catching strays on, on the podcast. Uh, um. I don't know, Rob, they what do you think it. about this one? They, I think, I don't know how you can say that they're not disappointed in Trey Lance in some way. Tim Kawakami went on 95-7 the game and said Trey disappointed them athletically because they thought he was going to be faster. There were, Kawakami also floated that report of Trey Lance lining up in the wrong spot and Kyle Juszczyk having to correct him, which magically did not come out until now. Um, you can talk about whether he disappointed them just from an injury and a health standpoint. But to me, it's it's inarguable at this point. He has let them down in some way when you look at everything that's happened and everything that they have done. And like we said, I mean, he's Trey Lance has a little bit of a runway now because Brock's status is up in the air. But if it weren't for that, I don't think he'd even have a shot at it. Yeah, and again, Jason, this is the hard part with – and, and again, speaking with so many people here who are watching from the outside, it's so funny how many people who don't cover the 49ers have such a good grasp on where things kind of have gone has gone awry, is trying to balance winning games with the development and how much you were willing to deal with and how Kyle Shanahan felt much more confident in being able to sustain drives and move this offense with Trey Lance using his legs as opposed to being a primary pocket passer, but also... When they traded up and got Trey Lance, it was with the idea we're going to use his legs. This is what we want, right? Remember the whole 
Drew Brees' mind and Lamar Jackson <laughs> legs thing, right? Uh, I mean, let me know where that quarterback is because I'd love yeah. to have him. But the, the whole idea was to use his legs. And I think so many fans are losing sight of this because of the injury. You were excited about the fact that Trey Lance was going to run read option and put defenses in a tizzy and, and, and with all the motion and all of those things. Now, when it happens, you expect the Trey Lance to hit edges. And this is where Kawakami comes in, where he's saying, you know, a little bit underwhelmed when it comes to talent. But that's what they were doing. And then when it resulted in an injury, it was, oh, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Well, that's what you were excited about in the beginning. And that's what they were thinking about doing with him. It just came out with that horrible result. And I do think there is a little too, hey, we want you to run outside. Well, you know what? This is an NDSU. These guys are faster. They close faster and you can't get to that edge. So now you've got to run inside a little bit more. So that's kind of where the frustration comes from. But I like the shot at EA Sports. That was pretty good. I'm all for that. Anytime EA Sports, you can take a shot at him. Please do it. And Corey, one more time, thank you for the donation. Unless they trade Lance and he goes on to be top seven. No, like that's, again, that, that I, don't, <laughs> I don't think they're going to trade him. Corey, you have to think about this. You have, in all, for all intents and purposes, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. That is the cheapest quarterback room in football, right? You have a, a team that's salary cap strapped that wants to continue to load up and still be a win-now team. And when you trade Trey Lance, you take on a dead cap hit, which slows that down. And basically trading Trey Lance would be the final, we gave up. We we got this one wrong. So for me, (laughs) I I, I don't see any of those things playing out. And if you just break it down to dollars and cents, having two quarterbacks who you believe in, one is, has shown a little bit more um, in, in terms of NFL play than the other. But having them less than one starting quarterback, starting quarterbacks are going for 30, 35. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Daniel Jones wants $45 million. <laughs> think about how much money that is. So when you think yeah. about how little this room costs with the upside, maybe Trey Lance does break out. I just don't see why you would trade him unless a team becomes foolish and decides to give a king's ransom, which I don't know how you can do that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think the Niners would listen on anything, but I agree with you. When it costs more to trade Trey Lance than it does to keep him, you're going to keep him. And let's be honest, if history holds, and it has only, you know, every year except one since 2014, both of these quarterbacks are going to play this year because at least one of them is going to get hurt. The 49ers have only had one year since 2014 where a quarterback started every game, and that was 2019, and they went to the Super Bowl. So even if it's Brock week one and he's ready to go and everything is good, History has told you that he's going to get hurt and Trey Lance is going to have to play at some point. So you don't want to trade that guy away. It's Levi's. It's It's been built upon a ancient ruin, a la Poltergeist. <laughs> they moved the stones. They didn't move the bodies. And that's what's going on. Because this was happening before Kyle Shanahan got there with the injuries yep. as well, too. You mentioned 2014. Kyle wasn't the coach then. So it's got to be Levi's at this point. I don't know who they need to, to get to fix this, but I, I, it has to be Levi's, right? It, I don't know what it is. I saw this nugget the other day. The 49ers have had at least three people tear their ACL in six of the last seven years. At least three. Some years it was more than that. Good God. I mean, I don't know. Again, whoever's got the voodoo doll, whoever's doing brujeria, please <laughs> stop. I'm just done. Um, My guy, Nicholas from New Jersey, thank you for the donation, man. If this is all true and they're super disappointed in Lance, who gets the blame for making that call then? I guess the same person getting credit for the great roster. I love this team, but wow. What's funny is uh, 
I don't think they're super disappointed. I think when you use the right words and you use the terminology, you can understand where they are. They're not super disappointed. Super disappointed would be you getting Trey Lance thinking he could start one day and then you get Zach Wilson and you have that and you're just like, oh, we're in deep, deep trouble. I think they underestimated his talent in certain aspects. He can still be great. He can still, he has a higher ceiling than, you know, all of these quarterbacks. But again, where does the floor start? But if we're talking about who gets the blame, it's Kyle Shanahan. And I do think that we need to talk about not only this quarterback evaluation, but maybe maybe Kyle's got to loosen up on his regular quarterback evaluations because he wants a robot and not a guy who can do a little bit more. I had a good conversation with somebody who covers the Colts, and he said, this is really, again, people from outsider are nailing it with this team. If Kyle lets go a little, lets the quarterback help him and is not so in control, things can get really, really exciting for him because he's already great with X's and O's. You just can't be as rigid in your quarterback evaluations over and over. If you go back and watch the Trey Lance film, which I have done an embarrassing number of times, it is abundantly clear Trey can be effective with his legs, but not so much as a designed runner, as a scrambler. He's an excellent scrambler. He can get away from people, can wriggle out of trouble. Go watch it. I swear to God, I've watched it a zillion times. That's where his legs are his biggest asset. Kyle doesn't yeah. want that. I don't think Kyle likes that. I think Kyle can look at a play where Trey Lance scrambles for 15 yards and Kyle will throw it up on the film and say, you missed this guy in the slant. It's a bad play. And he's got to get over that. What What's the uh, there's the, the Simpsons reference that I've always got to throw? Remember when Marge is trying to be a cop and she's, um, you know, the she's shooting the the the. The criminal pops up, she shoots the criminal. The other criminal pops up, she shoots the criminal. There's a woman holding a baby, she pulls back. There's an old man, she pulls back. And Mayor Quimby at the end says, you missed the, you missed the baby? You missed the, you missed the old man? That, that's, that's Kyle Shanahan. It could be a 60-yard play, and I still think he probably comes back into the film room and says, look what you missed right here. This was the actual read. So, yeah, I do think that that is absolutely true. Uh, Toxic Runner has another donation. He says, I have no problems with them using Trey as a runner, but there's levels to athleticism. Trey isn't a Lamar-type quarterback. He's more of a Deshaun Watson player. 100% agree. The design run thing isn't something that I'm necessarily going for or looking for going forward. I, I don't think it's part of his game. He just he doesn't run as decisively as as at, at times. That's my thing. You can use it, but just that can't be like the primary way that you move the chains with Trey Lance or with any quarterback, really. Um, and But the other part of this, too, like, I think we've fallen into this trap of you're either a Lamar Jackson type of quarterback or you're slow. Like that is not Lamar Jackson is a freak. He is freakishly fast. Just because you're not Lamar Jackson does not mean you are slow. Like I sometimes I feel like we, you know, oh, we expected him to be like that and he's not. So he can't run at all. And that's not the case either. Rob, maybe Lamar Jackson is just a one of one. Like, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, again, comparing players to players that are truly transcendent like him. And what he does is something that maybe is not helpful for anybody. Forget Trey Lance. It's not helpful. Uh, I think you lose sight of appreciating how good Lamar is when you say, well, this guy can do that. If he could do that or if anyone could do that, they would do that. That's my thing. Just let me, as an aside, super quick. Mm -hmm. Let's say... The craziness of crazy things happen, and the 49ers are like, we're tired of all this. Forget it. We're tired of Brock. We're tired of Trey. Let's put Trey Lance in a package. 
let's put 2024 first round pick and let's put Nick Bosa and let's call the Ravens and let's get Lamar Jackson. This is purely hypothetical. Would you be open to that? The Nick Bosa part. With your purple is, background. The Nick Bosa part. Yeah, right. Yeah, now I'm, I'm a Raven, Ravens flock. Oh, man, the Nick Bosa part is the hardest part to part with, man, at this point. I do think that there is a way for you to add to your team while losing someone that can counter counteract that, right? Now, Lamar Jackson's been injured himself, too. He got injured this year as well, yep. too, right? So there's no, like, running quarterbacks get injured, guys. Like, that's usually how it happens. For me, I wouldn't be able to see myself clear of this. Because of if we do quarterback wins, we need to start doing Nick Bosa wins. Because when he's on the field, this team wins games at an True. unreal rate. If we do it for Jimmy Garoppolo, why don't why don't we start defensive end wins? Because Nick Bosa, when he's on the field and healthy, this team wins games. And by the way, I don't even know if the 49ers can trade for Lamar Jackson because there's there's franchise tag rules where you have to have first round picks in each of the next two drafts. Obviously, the 49ers don't have that. So I don't even know. If that's allowed, I was just throwing that out there purely yeah. as a hypothetical. If Lamar's injury history wasn't what it was, I would be on board with it. Because I just right. look and I'm like, the Chiefs just won the freaking Super Bowl without, like, they have Chris Jones, yes, but, but like, they didn't have a great defense. They didn't have a great defense. But when they you got the quarterback that can, right. Like, when you got the quarterback that can be the guy that can make plays outside of structure, attention, Kyle. I'm just saying, like, I think I'm at that point where uh, that's where I am. Like, I'm just so desperate to get over that hump. Well, I'll say it's February right now. And I think when things get a little bit more clear with the quarterback situation, we start to see some camp. We start to hear things about Purdy. I think that uneasiness will go away. Bear with it, 49ers fans. It's going to be a long offseason. Make sure you're strapped in. Were you surprised that nobody asked about a Bosa contract? No, I, you know, that's funny. I would have thought that was one of the softball questions that you throw up there. And, and it would have been funny for anybody to just say that because, you know, what John would have said, uh, we envision Nick's going to be here forever and, and all of those things. Like just very media tra trained question. I think that people realized that they would have gotten that answer and didn't want to actually ask that because it was such an easy answer for him. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess everybody just kind of assumes like he's going to write down the number he wants and slide it face down across the table to the 49ers. They're just going to pick it up and say, you want that in 50s or hundreds? Right. Pretty much at this point. All right. It, I said I was going to ask. So before we go mm -hmm. and again, please, this is a joint stream. So please like and subscribe to Jason's YouTube page. Also, my YouTube page Do it to both. Please. And thank you. Where are you going to eat tonight? Because your choice of where you go to eat could impact which NFL insiders and coaches and GMs you bump into. Very good point. And we're in downtown um, Indiana at this point. So there's a strip here where everybody's going to be here. I think right now it's up in the air, but there's a steakhouse up the block, St. Elmo's. There's, uh, you know, yep. an Italian place that we just went to um, yesterday. So Roots it's Chris. in this area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's in this area because, and we spoke to a lot of the people that, you know, cover the 49ers. Everybody's out today. So everybody's going to be here, I mean, out tomorrow morning. They're going to be here walking around. You never know who you're going to run into. And Mike Silver was the main one that was like, come find me later on, man. Like, we'll really talk. And it's just, I can't believe how quickly this relationship's turned around. Like, did we just become best friends, Mike Silver? Like, seriously, like, it's so funny to me. All right, you and your best bud. Good. Enjoy <laughs> it. Have fun, everybody. I'll make sure to say, Thank you. I'll make sure to say hi to Florio for you tomorrow. Yeah, please do. Say hi to them. Tell them I miss them, and uh, I'll be hitting them up soon to come on the show. So 
Thanks, everybody, for your questions and your comments. Again, like and subscribe to the YouTube pages. Jason, keep killing it out there at the Combine. And we'll talk to you next time, everybody. Peace.